Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Great to have you with us. We're taking you on the road down to the 43rd Annual TAP Conference in San Antonio, Texas. TAP is the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals. Our broadcast made possible by the good folks at Summer Sky Treatment Center. They're in Stephenville, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth, summerskyrehab.com. It's the gateway to addiction recovery, treating individuals and families for over 30 years. Joining us in this segment is uh, one of the keynote speakers here at the conference, and it's a guy who's been on Recovery Coast to Coast before, and there's a story behind that. It was back on March 15th of 2012. Ryan Leaf came into the KJR studios, and we spent probably about an hour, and he was talking recovery. He had me convinced that he was well. Actually, he was well on his way to a prison sentence. And of course, the rest is history until the 3rd of December in 2014 when Ryan Leaf started a new life outside of prison. Ryan, welcome back. And I mean welcome back in the global sense because you were right at the end. Yeah, I was about two weeks away from being arrested uh, when I was on your show. I remember uh, immediately after your show going to an urgent care center in Seattle to score pills. So it was uh, the epitome of a hypocrite as we learn from many who go to rehab and go to rehab and go to rehab, we are able to take what we hear and apply it to our manipulation tactics. Uh, I was in the process of selling a book. I was mm-hmm. trying to give everybody the perception that uh, everything was okay, which is which is old behavior for me. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't in the best place, but I was able to pretend like I was. And I was able to do that for a while. Yeah, you certainly were. And one of the things we did uh, after that uh, interview was I said, do you speak? And you said yes. And I booked you for a conference in Yakima, Washington. It's going to come full circle here because it was the the night of the 30th when I got a text from Scott Munson up at sundown. And he said, so I guess we need another speaker, huh? I said, what are you talking about? He says, didn't you hear Ryan was, was arrested? And I texted you, and you texted me back and said, uh, it, it, it's not what it appears to be. It's a misunderstanding. It can all be resolved. Uh, stay tuned. And so on Monday, I went into KJR where I do sports updates, and Jason Puckett, who you probably know, he said to me, did you hear what happened to Ryan Leaf yesterday? I said, well, I've been in touch with him. There's some other circumstances. He's going to get back to me. And, and I said, it wasn't yesterday. It was Friday. He said, no, no, it was Friday and yesterday and then I reached out to you and was in touch with your attorney and we tried to get you a bed at sundown and but by that time the the horse was out of the barn and you were on your way to prison yeah looking back on that there was a, a, a suicide attempt or close to a suicide attempt and you said you asked God for help and God sent the sheriff yeah it, you know it's it feels like it was a, a lifetime ago to be honest with you um but it was only two and a, you know it's only five and a half years ago. So it's important to remember that a day like that's capable of happening tomorrow. If if I'm not you know working on today, working Absolutely. on this minute. So that's that's you know it's a good reminder. And when life seems to be going pretty well, it's always a a good slap in the face to remind you of what what's out there. When did you have the moment of clarity? You went to prison. I know you had a roommate that kicked your ass and said, you got to do service work, and you got to help these other prisoners learn how to read. When did it really click in for you? When was that moment of clarity? Well, I, don't, I don't necessarily know when it was. I think it was a, there was a point in, in the prison cell when I was able to look in the mirror and go, you know, I'm here because of what I did, 
nobody else. I wasn't. I couldn't blame the doctors. I couldn't blame the NFL. I couldn't blame the media. You know, this is, you know, what was my part in all of that? Sure. Uh, that's the accountability side of it uh, that I don't think I ever really truly accepted and, uh, and surrendered to. So I, that was probably that moment. And then the understanding that what the judge had kind of said. He, you know, he. I'd never been marginalized in my life, and the judge pretty much said, you have no value to society, I'm going to give you a number, I'm going to warehouse you. And what would, the most fearful thing was, while in prison, I kind of accepted that until, like you said, my roommate got, got on me about the value I actually did have, and it had nothing to do with football or even the fact that I had messed up before. You know, that's something you can't, you can't fix. Mm. And uh, so I'd, I'd probably say that was the, the point. But when he asked me to go work with those guys, it wasn't like it was a, an epiphany that happened. It was the progress uh, part before I knew it. It was three or four months later and we were doing more work. I probably at the time was walking down the walking down the hallway with them, just probably cussing him underneath my breath because I was, you know, why, why would I be doing this yeah. type of thing? Any, any sort of treatment in, in prison? Any 12-step uh, meetings? Any involvement in that part? They're they're available, but they were very. Prison is not a healthy environment to rehabilitate. Um, you have to make a conscious choice at some point to uh, to change by yourself. It's not you're not getting the help in there. Um, I did because of my roommate. That was the blessing that God placed in front of me there. Um, but you were in prison in Montana, right? Yeah. So what I did in prison is I just I self-loathed and laid in my bed for 32 months went outside twice i just i didn't do anything i was i was why, why only twice was that by command well, or i saw the I, I went out on april 10th the first time i got there and i just looked around and i saw the mountains i hunted in i mm -hmm. saw the rivers i fished in and all i could see through them were this barbed wire and it just the depression of it all just and that's what prison is. They just they give you a little TV and they put you in a room and they babysit you that way. And, and like I said, they warehouse you. It's another society. Second time you went outside, you played a little football. And, and you gave back to a young man. Tell me about that. Well, they asked me to play their flag football game and play all-time quarterback, and I did. And It was also a, a moment for me to realize that it you know, this had nothing to do with me. I thought it was all about me when it was all over because it was such a spectacle. The guards started standing around and people started talking about it. And and it, the shame of it for me was overwhelming. But then the young man who walked into my room later that night said it was his birthday and he got to play catch with me. And it made his, his year. And, you know, a person who is so narcissistic, I looked at it like, yeah, that's, you're right, it did. Everybody should feel that way. But instead, it, was a, it had a different feeling. I, I kind of put myself on the back burner and realized this, this wasn't about me. But I still, I still didn't do it again. I mean, I, like, you, like I said, it's, it's progress. I, I didn't go outside again or play with these guys again. Or if they asked, I'd say, you know, hell no. Yeah. What, what do you use as your sobriety birthday? April 1st, 2012. Uh, yes. You saw March 30th, I was arrested right. that night. And... Uh, and the second one was on April Fool's Day. Yeah, April Fool's Day uh, is uh, 
when I got out, I looked at the sheriffs when I was walking out, and I said, this, was, this had to have been the most dramatic April Fool's joke I've ever been a part of. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, Ryan Leaf is joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, addiction affects everyone. It affects families. It affected your family uh, greatly in Montana. Talk about the other side of that. Now you're, you're sober. You're in a long-term recovery situation. You are an ambassador for a wonderful treatment program called Transcend. Uh, we just talked to Joni uh, Ogle uh, just a few minutes ago about the program. What does your family, how do they feel now about the new Ryan Leaf? Well, I think they're, well, they both say they're very proud. I, I still have a hard time hearing my parents say that, or most people give me compliments. Uh, you know, my default setting usually is, is less than, you know, so that's where I tend to go. Or when I hear criticism, I usually think like, oh, yeah, that's that's about right. So to hear that from them, it's sometimes difficult to hear because of knowing what I put them through. But I can tell you that, you know, the last two and a half years, uh, the peace and I say serenity, the stress level has just been lowered to a point where they are enjoying themselves. They're really enjoying themselves now because I'm about to give them a grandson here in about that wouldn't Five happen weeks. to be MacGyver awarded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're they're very excited about that because that's all they've ever wanted. They had three boys. They figured oh. they'd have grandchildren out the yeah yeah out the wazoo right now. But uh, up the wazoo. Yeah. Up the wazoo. Yep. I got it. Okay. Uh, tell me about meeting Anna. Well, it was on my brother's uh, TV set, and uh, she just happened to be there uh, on a day that I actually wasn't because my brother wanted me to come watch my brother wanted me to come watch him work and I just I didn't have enough money to pay for gas to go watch it and he got on the phone with me and said I'll pay for your gas just come up and watch me work and I said okay and I went up and there she was we just started talking she was working uh, as an actress on his on his set that day we talked during her breaks I gave her my or I gave her my phone number when she left and I mean the rest is history I still haven't seen that gas money, though. <laughs> but uh, but I guess it was an even trade-off to, to, to find the love of my life on that day. Ryan Leaf joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Tell me about the first 72 hours when you left prison. What was that like for you? It was amazing how you could be in shackles literally 20 seconds before, and they unhook you, and you just walk out and, and step into Mom and Dad's car. I, I, it just... the done the sur- I don't know surreal moment of it all and then I was in the car and we're driving back and and I, I've said this before I, I didn't know what was going to happen I just I had hope and I knew I needed treatment and when I went and asked my PO about it um, he looked at me like I was crazy because guys he said don't walk out of a prison cell and ask to go to mm. treatment so we had to wait 90 days oh. for the red tape wow. to get cut through for me to find the place in in Southern California. NFL help you out with that? They did. I, I didn't have the money to, to pay for treatment, so if it weren't for the grants available to me as a former NFL player, uh, and I also cashed in a life insurance policy, I wouldn't have been able to uh, afford the treatment that I needed. And then you, you get out of the treatment center, and then it's sober living. Tell me about that transition and what that meant to your recovery. Well, I actually stayed in the inpatient for 90 days. Uh, they have a, a tier two part of it where you have more. Uh, you went to Promises, right? I did, mm-hmm. where they have more liberties. And um, that's when I started working for Transcend as a driver uh, and having been home at night to check in and still go through some, I guess, essentially outpatient facilities and uh, outpatient uh, classes while in an inpatient facility. 
And then after that, to stay in California, I needed a place to live, and I got another job as a night manager at a sober living house where I got to live on the premises, and uh, my shift was from 11 at night uh, till 8 in the morning. And I did this for six, eight, it was almost eight months um, before I moved on, and they asked me to, to be their program ambassador. When you were working that overnight shift, you had to give out medications. You had to give out drugs. Yeah. Tell me about what that was like for you the first time you had to do that. Well, it wasn't so hard until the first time there was an opiate involved. The, uh. the idea that, that it was right in front of me, I, you know, it was, it was weird. Um, I looked at it and thought, you know, the addict mind goes to, I could do this and no one would maybe know or uh, like, likely an addict mind did for me for years and years and years. Um, but as soon as I got through it and got over it, um, you know, the chemical had been out of my body for a long time. It was the, it was the behavioral shifts that had to change. Um, and that was being honest. I went to my supervisor and told him I feel uncomfortable doing this. I don't necessarily believe that we should have opiates in Mm. a sober living environment anyway. You know, um, they modified it to where I didn't have to hand those pills out. I mean, that's, that's significant behavior change for me because I would just right before not say anything or I mean just it w- in my mind it would be weakness before of saying like I can't handle this well I don't we kn- I know for a fact I can't handle this and I need help because of it what's recovery like today for Ryan Leaf um, you know it's 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 peaceful and unchaotic is probably the best word I it's uh, I don't like to necessarily say I don't say happy because it's life's life I think that you try to I'm not here to tell everybody how great Ryan Leaf's doing, you know. Life's tough, you know. I got a fiance that's seven and a half months pregnant right now, and I have to be very, <laughs> very careful in how I word stuff and how we're going about things because, you know, what women go through is, is pretty, pretty amazing. I'm learning all this, and I don't feel like I've done anything over the last nine months. Uh, but um, it's about to change even more significantly. And, you know, as cliche as it sounds, I use it all the time. You know, life isn't fair. It's just simply how you deal with it that matters. How you deal with it, exactly. Ryan Leaf joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, you're involved with Focused Intensity Foundation. Tell me about that. Well, it was something I started actually in 2011. Um, I wow. wanted to. It had a great. I wanted to raise money for scholarships for people who couldn't afford substance abuse or mental health treatment, and. I, of course, relapsed and got in trouble, but my father, my father, for he knew it was a great cause, and he knew that at some point, hopefully, his son would be in a, the right place to run it, and he kept it alive uh, while I was in prison. Wow. He paid the, the lawyer's fees. He paid the certification. He kept it going um, and to a point where he was the biggest donor for you know five years, mm. essentially, and until I was ready to take it over, and we have, and we've done pretty amazing things already. I mean, we had $500 in the coffers when we walked into the Ellen show in March and she kind of blew the top off it and what we were capable of doing and overwhelmed us a bit, gave us $10,000 and uh, we've been able to help. We've had three people, three people now go through, wow. through our process. So oh, that's great. Hopefully we're, we're, we're really good at treating people. We're really novices at fundraising. Mm. So we're, we're asking the right people and taking suggestions on how to do that because we want to help as many people as we can yeah. because you know, if, like we talked about before, if the NFL didn't exist right. for me on that, I wouldn't have been able to get the treatment. And I don't want anybody who honestly wants the treatment not mm-hmm. to be able to get it because they simply can't afford it. It's full circle. I, you know, I didn't necessarily think that I wanted to be very public about it when I finally got this 
this thing. Um, but my mentors who live very public lives in a mm -hmm. sober way, in a humble way, told me that this is what you have to do. Giving and, back. Yeah, it, it's you have to, uh, otherwise you just, your humility doesn't exist. Actually, your accountability doesn't exist. And your spirituality certainly doesn't exist. So, what, is it, what role does spirituality play in your recovery? Well, it's one of the three pillars for me. It's, it definitely is because the understanding that I'm not, there's, there's something much bigger than me out there, you know, the idea that I'm not the one in control ever. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a big undertaking to understand that for someone who actually probably thought he was a god for a long, long time. Yeah. I have so many more things I want to ask you, but we have a luncheon to go to. I'm the MC. You're the keynote speaker. I'm hoping that uh, you might commit to coming into the KJR studios again when you're in Seattle. We can do a longer interview. I'll be in there in October. I'm working with uh, a group called Battle, Battlefield uh, or Battleground uh, Addiction. Mm, okay. They work with families specifically. I'm speaking at their fundraiser in October. October, I in believe. Seattle? Yes, in Seattle. Well, so. let's make a commitment right. to come into the studio. You got it. Ryan Leaf joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. We're going to take a short time out. We have some things to do down here. We'll continue with the program right after this.